Welcome to Politicking with Jason Whitlock, hosted by Curtis Schoon. Good morning, Jason. We got a lot to talk about. We got a, a special Monday edition. Uh, so news may change by the time this goes up tomorrow, but we've had a Are shooting. Are you going to wait till tomorrow? Yeah, I'm going to wait till tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Well, we've had a shooting in Minnesota, uh, Brooklyn Center, I believe it is, uh, yesterday, Sunday. PM, it's 2 p.m. Sunday, and um, it looks like this is going to be the, the spark to rioting if that Derek Chauvin trial doesn't go the way the people want it to go. What are your thoughts on this? Well, uh, I think it, there's already been unrest. Th this happened they say 20 minutes outside of Minneapolis and there was already unrest last night and the looting of some buildings and some vandalism. And, uh, I think that, uh, that even before there's a verdict in the Chauvin trial, this thing has heated up things, not just in Minnesota, but, you know, I'll predict across the country. Uh, and I think it could have an impact. I, could you imagine being a juror on the Chauvin trial? Uh, I'm sure they're going to hear about this. I, I, you know, maybe they're sequestered, but somehow I think they're going to hear about it. And if there's unrest all across the Minneapolis area or Minnesota, could the trial even be delayed by this? And could Chauvin's uh, defense team say that this incident and the reaction to it impacted this trial and maybe there should be a delay, maybe there should be a change of venue? Because if I were Derek Chauvin, I think with all the hostility and tension around that city, I would be, how can I get a fair trial in Minnesota? Uh, you know, if I'm a juror, how can, you know, if you vote not guilty, your life as you once knew it is over. Uh, you're going to be doxxed. You're going to be harassed. Uh, you know, so th this event with the, I think it's Dante Wright or whatever, you know, is, has impact on the Chauvin trial, has impact on the the entire country. And I, I just look at this and just, how can this be? How, how can 20 minutes outside of Minneapolis in the middle of this trial, how can there be a police involved shooting of a half black, half white man? You know, everybody's calling him black. <clears throat> I saw his white mama on TV uh, or, you know, on the news <laughs> online. He's half black, half white. You know, they're calling him black. And he yeah, certainly looks like a light-skinned black dude. But uh, I, I don't, this this is plays out like a movie, man, or, or a novel. This, this is playing out like fiction to have this happen. Like, like the, the Matrix. Yes. Yeah, this is like the Matrix. It's sort of like scripted. I, I, I just I can't I can't believe it. But let, let's go over the 
the details that we know of so far. Um, uh, 20 year old Dante Wright, I was unaware he was biracial. He gets pulled over for a traffic violation. He also has his girlfriend in the car. Yeah. And he, um, for whatever, he was on the phone with his mom at the time. Yeah. yeah. And he tried to flee. At least that's what's reported, right? His mother says she overheard someone say, Dante, don't run. Yep. Yep. His I, mother I, I said read when that. he's on the phone with him. Yeah. I, I read that. And, um, and he takes off and the cop shoots him. There's a couple of questions there. Why run? I never understand. And of course, we don't have the full details. The story is subject to changing, and we may find out why he ran later. But as it stands right now, I can't rationalize running. I never could, because if the police pull you over and they have your ID, they know who you are. So when you run, where are you going? How long do you think you'll be go gone? Do you think it all? Do you think it through properly? I mean, this is a common theme. In, in in 2015, I remember the gentleman Walter Scott, who was killed in South Carolina. He um he got pulled over. It was a warrant for, I think, um, child support, if I'm not mistaken, and he took flight. The cop executed him actually and is in jail for murder right now but again when you run where are you going uh, all you're doing is making the situation worse and i'm saying these things not to victim blame because the victim is gone and everything that's it's going to go through its process but for people who are listening watching young people it doesn't make sense to run all you're going to do is make a bad situation worse. Uh, and you could get yourself killed. And even if the cop goes to prison, you're dead. So it doesn't make sense to run. I, I, I don't understand why the young man ran. If he was just going to prolong the inevitable. So that part, and now the thing with the cop, why is it necessary for cops to use deadly force for minor criminals. It's not like he's a killer trying to flee. You know? Well, the only thing I'll be careful about, I tend to agree with what you're saying. The only thing I would be careful about is the police have done something interesting here in the statement that they put out. The critical statement is there is body camera footage. They've said that. They stated that body cameras were working. And so to me, for them to state that, they viewed the body camera footage, in my view. Maybe they have it. I, I don't know. But if they said it was working. They've elevated the expectations of people that were going to see this, the body cam footage. And so I don't think they make that statement without having viewed it. And so... And I don't even really for sure know what to read into the fact that they're saying they have body camera footage, but part of me says they wouldn't have expressed that unless they thought the body camera footage was favorable to the police. That, that's my 
again, why do you put it out in that statement? You could say nothing. And, but they, and so they're saying to me, there's, I don't, and, and they did not say what the outstanding warrant was for. And so I just, I can't see the police throwing gas on this situation. I, I can only see them throwing water on a fire that they know is about to erupt. And so maybe the police think the body camera footage is going to exonerate them and the whatever the outstanding warrant is, is going to exonerate them to some degree. That's, and again, we don't know, we're just speculating, but to, what do you read into them saying, the state, staying just quite, there's body cameras footage and raising the expectation they're gonna reveal that to the public? Well, uh, before I get into what I think about what they said, what about what the governor said? Governor Tim Walls, He's a member of the Democratic Farmer Labor Party. I, I don't know what that is. They're Democrats. Sound like possibly socialists. Yeah. He says, um, Gwen, I'm assuming that's his wife, and I are praying for Dante Wright's family as our state mourns another life of a black man taken by law enforcement. It doesn't sound like the governor thinks the body cam footage is favorable. You know, I, and even if the thing is- As right, a governor playing politics, democratic politics, I, I don't know if he knows what's on the body camera footage. He's saying what he's supposed to say from his political position. Man. And he seems to be throwing gas on the situation. I don't see, and that's my point. I don't, to me, a political position is non-committal. You don't want to commit to either side to offend anyone. He can only be on one side. Look, if I'm even if the even if Dante Wright had pulled a gun and shot the police, the governor would say that exact same statement. <laughs> yo, look. <laughs> yo, but their politics is despicable because I wouldn't want to be a cop right now in Minnesota. And this is what the governor is saying. I'm sure he's going to lose a lot of law enforcement supporting votes and i'm only speaking from the political aspect because we don't none no one knows what really happened until they released that body cam footage but as far as the footage goes i think i think we're going to see i'm pretty sure that this 20 year old kid is a a small time criminal at best maybe not even a criminal you know these people that do these things I, i'm telling you i i don't I don't want to uh, to sound like I'm bragging, but I know real criminals, and they don't do stuff like. Well, I knew real criminals. Let me rephrase that, and they don't do things like this. It's always the, you know, the the people with the the little stuff. Man, didn't want to spend a night in jail, don't have five hundred dollar bail like Sandra Bland. They're the most like oppositional people when get when getting pulled over by the police. And, and they're never really a threat to society. So I'm, I'm waiting to see. I could be wrong, but I doubt this guy was somebody who qualified to get shot. In my opinion, 
and I'm not a police officer, and some may disagree with me, but if this guy isn't like somebody who's known for violence, hurting people, shooting people, things of that nature, I don't, I, I, I personally couldn't shoot him if he's fleeing. I couldn't. I don't get it either, uh, in, in terms, because I tend to agree with you that, you know, and I, we're speculating here, but the, the guy just didn't look like much of a threat. And so far, based on the information, it just doesn't sound that threatening. His girlfriend's in the car with him. Uh, you would, but again, I, I, I hate to go too far with the speculation. I, I'm just telling the governor to me said what a Democratic governor would say. He's throwing gas on this situation because he thinks that if he pacifies the BLM crowd, <laughs> that there's some victory in that, that there's some positive gain. And I, I don't see any positive gain in pacifying that group and, and throwing red meat to that group because that's what he's done. He's basically... You know, whatever you all do in reaction to this is legitimate and warranted. And before we have any information, uh, let's all get emotional. And and Curtis, the other thing I thought about this morning mm -hmm. is we as a country and as Black people are... Our emotions right now are set up that we are sitting around waiting for a resisting criminal to get harmed by police and we're up and, and that triggers us emotionally. That because again, pretty much all the guys that are getting, you know, other than Tamir Rice, most of the people involved in these police-involved shootings are, have some sort of criminal history. And I'm not trying to diminish <laughs> them, but just the reality is a lot of innocent Black kids, boys, men with, get shot by human beings, black, white, whatever. And none of our emotions are triggered by that. But we sit around and if somebody has resisted arrest and gotten into a conflict with the police that spins out of control, it's, it's like a go out into the streets, riot, protest, loot, vandalize, whatever. Nothing, what else triggers us? And 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 again, I, I don't. It, there can be two messages coming out of all this focus on police-involved shootings. Police should exercise more restraint, and people that are questioned uh, by the police should simply comply. That can be the. Police need to do more restraint and people need to comply. Those are the only things I can take from these situations. I, I just don't understand how, 
uh, how all of our emotions are tied up in people who resist uh, complying with the police. With all due respect to um, the deceased, I sum up these situations as when stupid collides. And when I, what I mean by that is the cops and the, the victims in these cases aren't always critically thinking. And um, when one person who's, who's stupid has a gun and the other person who's stupid doesn't have one, it doesn't usually work out too well for the person who's unarmed, man. And we can't undo these, 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 these um, incidents, but we could learn from them. If you don't have a weapon, it doesn't even matter if it's the police or not. Shut the fuck up, man. If you, no need to argue with anybody unless you're going to go at them. And I'm not advocating violence towards police. I'm advocating basic survival techniques, man. If you're not going to do anything, shut the fuck up. Whether it's a cop, whether it's the driver in the next lane, it's just too much jawjacking. And some people out here are going to take action while you're busy talking. And people, we have to get to understand that and train ourselves to respond appropriately in certain situations. And when someone has the law on their side and a weapon and they can legally get away with taking your life. I mean, the, the odds are stacked even higher against you for being a donkey. I mean, and again, I'm not blaming anybody, but you see, we have a lot of empathy in our community. Jason, we, we look at these people and for whatever reason, a lot of us say that could have been me, but I don't ever say that. Because uh, <laughs> I'm like, that couldn't have been me because I'm not going to try to drive off. I'm not going to be saying anything crazy to the cop. I'm going to give him my license. If you tell me step out the car, I'm going to step out the car. If you tell me put my hands behind my back, I'm going to put my hands behind my back. Now, I'm not saying that uh, you, you, know, um, you deserve to get killed if you don't get out the car. Or you deserve to get killed if you run. I'm not saying any of that. In fact, I, I disagree with that. I, I I don't think you need to be get you. I don't think you need to get killed for anything unless you're a threat to someone's life. But the reality is, it happens. It has happened. It will continue to happen. So you have to decide: Do I want to put myself in that space and roll the dice? Because that's really what you're doing. You don't know what's going through this cop's mind. You don't know if this cop is a racist. You're so worried about it. Shit, he might be. You're going to give him a chance to shoot you and get away with it? What, what is the thinking process that goes into some of these actions? And I think there isn't any. And if nothing else, these cases are going to work their way out, uh, you know, but we have to learn from the mistakes of the people who made them. And so, Curtis, it, it all... To me, this goes back to my beliefs on terms of who is responsible for my safety. 
You are. And I say me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so absolutely. that's where my disconnect with all the pressure being on police have to do X, Y, and Z. It, it, and so when I, I tend to agree with you, when I look at most of these situations, I I go, mm, I'm I wouldn't be in that position, you know. If they ever catch me on tape getting killed by the police, <laughs> I guarantee you, the only thing they'll have on tape is me saying yes sir, no sir, what can I do, blah blah blah, and it'll be the coldest execution you will ever see. Because there will be no resistance. Because again, I'm responsible for my survival. I'm not putting my life in the hands of someone else. And so we can, Black Lives Matters and all this, I, I've never understood why the Black Lives Matter just, let's say they want to protest for more training for police, more restraint from the police. At, at what point do they make part of their platform, though, also? And you know what? As Black men, we have to comply and protect ourselves. That's the easiest way to protect yourself from the police is through compliance. Uh, you, you know, they're going to call us coons for saying that, you know. But, <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but that's just like, like if I didn't want my father as a kid to beat my yeah. ass, I complied with what he asked me to do. But here's the thing: the people that are quick to call call other people names and stuff are the same people who would argue with the police. Are the same people who wouldn't bust a grape in a food fight. You know, the talkers talk, man. That's what they do. That's why they end up fucked up sometimes man you know a lot of times because they specialize in talking they try to hurt you with words they try to hurt the cops with words they try to hurt people like you and me with words but man they they get out there on that battlefield man and they ain't gonna do a goddamn thing man and they're gonna get out there and protest and this that the other and so on and so forth but they're not gonna do shit you know what they do every time there's an incident with a cop all these people pull out their cell phone and record. We got you on camera. Yeah, sure. Watch me get killed on camera. Like, these motherfuckers ain't going to do nothing. They just talk. And, and as far as uh, compliant, I'm, I'm going to give you an example, right? In, in Washington, D.C., pedestrians in the crosswalk, and I assume it's like this everywhere, have the right of way. But there are some intersections where there isn't a light. So... It's at the discretion of the drivers. They're supposed to stop when they see a pedestrian in the crosswalk and let them cross on their own, right? So when I'm yeah. walking or running or anything, I know I have the right of way as a pedestrian in the crosswalk, but do you know what I do? I wait for the cars to go by because I'm not trusting the driver. I'm not trusting that he's, he sees me, that he's not on Instagram or some other goofy shit while he's driving, none of that. Yes, I know I have the right of way. Absolutely. But why take the chance? Because my life is in my hands. What good is it if I'm right, but I'm dead? That makes, yeah, man, Curtis had the right of way, man. That driver should have been paying attention, but I'm fucking gone. Yo, what? I don't understand the thinking that people have in, in dangerous 
perilous situations. It's like their brain doesn't function. I, I don't know about anybody else, right? But I have all kinds of scenarios in, in my head where my reactions are, are already pre-planned for all different kinds of dangerous scenarios. I already know because I've rehearsed it in my mind so many times, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. And, and I, I'll share another example. A long time ago, a very long time ago, when I was living differently, I made up my mind that I would never allow anybody to abduct me at gunpoint. And in my mind, I played these things out. This is about 30 years ago. And lo and behold, some guys tried to kidnap me. Jason, I would not get in the car because in my mind, I wasn't caught off guard. I was like, this is, this, this is that moment and you already made up your mind. This is what you're going to do and this is how you're going to deal with it. And I, I went to my default setting. And I, I, I'm showing that's an extreme case. But I think for brothers listening, play in your mind what you're going to do when the cops pull you over. Have a plan. And a plan that's going to get you home alive. The way cops talk about, I'm trying to go home to my family, you should be having the same thought. What's my plan to go home to my family if I get pulled over? And I assure you, running, arguing, wrestling, and trying to drive off or pulling a knife from under the armrest is not part of the plan to go home to your family. And, and we just have to start thinking, man. I, that's why I call it when stupid collides, man, because they're not thinking. But I, I, would, I would go this step further. It's a really about, I'm repeating myself, but who's responsible for your life? The government, which the police are an extension of the government, or you? And so, again, this is... This isn't, you know, it's like they've created this dichotomy that uh, if you're not upset with the state or if you don't think the state is responsible for your welfare, you're a sellout. And actually, it, I mean, it's just the complete reverse. I've actually bought into Jason Whitlock and my ability to provide for myself and to protect myself. And look, maybe I won't be able to provide for myself. Maybe I won't be able to protect myself, but I would rather die taking responsibility for myself and doing all the right things to ensure my survival, to ensure my ability to provide my, for myself rather than to say, well, it's the government's job to act appropriately. And it's the police officer's job to act appropriately. I'd rather, you know, I would rather make sure I'm acting appropriately and it will defeat him potentially acting inappropriately. Because again, he's sitting there, he don't want to go to jail. He don't want to die. He doesn't want the complications of having shot someone who is acting totally appropriately. And so it, it's a great 
defense mechanism. Again, a, a good defense is a good offense. And so That's I play offense point. with the police and just kill them with kindness and compliance. And I just leave them no other option but to treat me relatively well. And, and I've been in, in, in actually in, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, I used to live there. I dealt with what I believe was a racist cop that had me pulled over on the side of the highway and he called for backup. Cause you know, particularly this is 1992 and I'm still football swole. You know, when I step out of the car, I, I, at that time I did scare people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went, I wasn't as pudgy as right now. <laughs> uh, and so he called for backup and they got me surrounded. And the dude, t- he thought I was a cat burglar. I mean, it was crazy. I'm like, what window was you crawling through? Thank Come you. on now, man. That's Thank it. you. That's literally what I was. And he had me, he called for backup. There had to be like four or five other cops harassing the shit out of me. And I was upset. And I was young and swole up. But I was also very compliant. Like, hey, man, you just, I'm a newspaper writer. You can call my bosses. They call because again, they, this is South Carolina in 1992, 91 at some point. And I guess this guy figured there ain't no way this big black dude is a newspaper writer. I mean, he probably can't spell. Shit went on for the shit went on for 30, 40 minutes before he finally relented and said, like, oh, okay, this Negro has a job and let me go. But again, Nobody punched me. Nobody laid a hand on me. They just talked crazy to me and accused me of doing something. But, you know, after 30, 45 minutes, I was at home in my apartment, mad as hell. (laughs) But, you know, I was home. Nobody laid a hand on me. Listen, man, I got a ticket in North Georgia. I was on my way back up north from visiting family in Atlanta. And I was driving. I was doing in excess of 100 miles an hour, right? Because it was like early. I like I like to leave before the sunrise, and, and and when the roads are pretty clear. And a cop pulled me over. He said, "Man, I've been following you for miles. Do you know how fast you was?" Go-? I said, "No, officer. How fast was I going?" He said, I clocked you at 103, about five miles back, right? <laughs> you know, so he was on the overpass. White cop. Uh, I hope I'm not being uh, racist here, but he would—he's what you would call a redneck in North Georgia, right? Look, and uh, I gave him my license, insurance, registration. All he went back to the car. He came back. He lowered the mileage that he, he clocked me at. He said, "You know what, man? If I had this baby, I'd be driving fast like that too." And that was it, man. Like I didn't argue with him. I. I Another time I got pulled over talking on the phone. The cop asked me, he said, do you know what I got, what, what I'm pulling you over for? I said, yeah, I was talking on the phone. He ran my license, he gave me a warning, let me go about my business. Accountability sometimes helps, man. Stop acting like you didn't do something wrong when you know you're dead. Be a fucking man and own up to it. And a lot of people think because they make a strong argument when they're wrong, that they're convincing somebody. No, motherfucker, yo, man, take take ownership. I don't try to act like I'm right when I'm wrong. 
Never in my life did I do wrong and think I was right, man. Yo, I think I was doing right. I don't have, yo, I know when I'm doing some bullshit, man. And, and I'm that person that if I get caught, I'll be like, shit, I fucked up. I just got caught, man. God damn it. You know what I mean? It didn't work this time. These people, man, they literally form this, this argument, this presentation. Like, but they're not Oscar-winning actors, man. They, they're not convincing anybody. Just own up to your shit and keep it pushing. But we've been talking about Black Lives Matter, man. Uh, Black Lives Matter has gotten you and I in trouble with Twitter over the last couple of days, man. Uh, first of all, man, are you still in Twitter jail, man, or did you get out yet? I'm still in Twitter jail because I won't post bail. Oh, <laughs> I won't post bail. I'm not sure if I'm gonna post bail. You know, they they because for Curtis, we did nothing wrong. Yeah, and so I'm not running to go post Twitter bail when I did nothing wrong. The the, the information, you know, obviously the background is. You tweeted out, I think, on Thursday yes. about uh, Patrice Black Can Colors yeah. purchasing the $1.4 million house in Cali. But go ahead. Yeah. And so I actually saw it someplace else on Friday and posted a link to, you know, her buying this $1.4 million house in Topa, Topanga, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I went and looked up that the house costs 1.4 million and Topanga has a black population of 1.4%. Black lives matter, but I don't want to live around you, Negro. (laughs) You think there's a bunch of black cops in this area? Uh, So she's going to have plenty of black cops, I mean, uh, white cops and white people to complain about. And so I, I just find it hypocritical. And so I posted the link and said, she's with her people. Uh, you had called me at some point, or we had talked some point Friday, like, hey, uh, they just put me in Twitter jail over my tweet from Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, they ain't done nothing to me, but let's wait and see. And so by the end of the day, Friday, I was in Twitter jail. Uh, my account is suspended. And they want you to remove the tweet yeah, yeah, yeah. to start your 12-hour sentence. And I have why should I remove the tweet when you can't access the tweet? They've made it so you can't get it. it the, the tweet has al- already been disappeared by Twitter. Why do I have to remove it to start the clock on my jail time? And so literally, I've sat back and said. I'm going to do nothing and just let's see where this story goes. You protested. <laughs> let's see where this story goes. I'm going to play Nelson Mandela in Twitter jail. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, and the story's going where I thought it would go. Everybody's been, there's stories written in the New York Post. The National Review wrote a good story. People come out with additional she done bought four houses for what three, four million dollars all across the country. Look, uh, I, I, my note says 
she has she has she has three other she has two other homes in the LA area. Like, what does she need all these homes for? She's in a same-sex relationship. She doesn't have kids. So you know what I mean? Like, what the hell? She's making money. You know, she this there's so much hypocrisy here in terms of she's a socialist, Marxist, communist. Oh God. She's a grifter. That's what the fuck she is. But again, those people allegedly they want the state to own all the property. But she's out buying property all across the country and make she's acting like a capitalist. And so I just I want people to understand the Black Lives Matter thing. It's all a hustle. There are they're not promoting anything real. And again, I'll go back to what we were just saying about this right situation out in Minneapolis or right outside Minneapolis. Black Lives Matters, they've been out, they started this in 2013 with Trayvon Martin. What has been their impact? Other than people looting stores and getting big screen TVs, what has been their impact? Has there been some uh, incredible police reform all they across the country? They haven't done shit. Been on the cover of magazines and cash and checks. That's what they did. Yes. And so I just, I want people to deal with that. And so the story just keeps mushrooming. You got the dude that runs Black Lives Matters out of New York calling for an investigation. Hank Newsom. Yeah. Hank Newsom, yes. Yeah. Of her I, I, so to me, the story is going exactly how I wanted it to go. Uh, and so I'm going to remain in Twitter jail and and <clears throat> keep, you know, I, I'm going to wallow in this victimhood like they like to do. You know, I, I posted the story on Thursday. When you posted it on Friday, you had tagged me, so I, I retweeted it. From Thursday, I had no problems, but when I retweeted your, your uh, tweet, next thing you know, they suspend me, not for retweeting your tweet. They suspend me for the the, the tweet on Thursday. And let's be clear here. You and I weren't the only people on Twitter. That's that story was all over the place. It did still they, is. Yo, did they suspend everybody? No. Yo, and, and that's the bizarre thing in, in all of this. And see, that that's that's what like they say that you know you're hovering over the target. You know, they're concerned, they're very selective about who they go after and why they go after them, and, and so on and so forth, man. I, I, I think the Black Lives Matter movement is despicable. I think what they've done is they've used the deaths of heterosexual Black men as political currency. And you have women like this Patrice Khan Colors. Khan is the last name of her spouse. Jenea Khan, who was the founder of Black Lives Matter in Toronto, like, you know, one of the dis district managers or something. So they get married. You got all these women who don't like men who have found a way to use men for financial reward, man. It's, it's, I find that odd, man. These people, man, they talk about Black Lives Matter 
clearly they see themselves as different from the rest of the black population. You cannot be a representative of the black community if you are more in alignment with elements of the white community, the white LGBT community, the white liberal establishment, because you're not putting the people who you claim to represent, you're not putting their needs first. And I don't have a problem with anyone's sexuality. I don't give a damn. But yo, you can't rep you can't say you're representing me and using it to your advantage because not enough LGBT, not enough black LGBT are getting pulled over by police and getting killed, if any. You see what I'm saying? You cannot. And this Hank Newsom guy, I don't know anything about him. But I, I I wonder if he's just mad he didn't get any of that goddamn money, man, because this shit is all a work. There's so many washed up rappers and they're all activists. When you don't have when you don't have a fucking plan, you become an activist. And what is an activist? The root word is is action. But what are the actions that they're taking? The actions that they're taking are actually speeches talking rhetoric a whole lot of that and and this has been going on in our community since the 60s with the civil rights movement this thing is legitimately an extension of the civil rights movement whether people like it or not now the civil rights icons they've dealt with more substantive issues they didn't have to fabricate things they were dealing with legitimate jim crow and so on and so forth but these people man it's just the marching, the talking. And a lot of those civil rights icons did pretty good, man. Uh, John Lewis, Andrew Young, Jesse Jackson. And, and this generation, it's going to be Patrice Cullors, uh, Jenea Khan, uh, and whoever else. Uh, that they D-Ray, have. Sean it's, King. Yeah. They, they, it, yo, man, it's a way. It's 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 It's... It's the most disingenuous form of social climbing, man. It, it's it's despicable. Economic climbing. Yo, man, and, and, and nothing's being done, changed in the community. You know, people would complain that, that uh, the Black household income hasn't really grown much since the 60s, but then would celebrate the people in the 60s. My thing is, what are we celebrating? Are we just looking for, for heroes? Or are we looking for results and outcomes? Let's celebrate the people who's got who get us the change that we say we want. You know, when when these people they buy their their their, their homes and all over the place. This this Patrice Colors lady, she has another home in Georgia. Uh, well, no, excuse me, her spouse bought one in Georgia. I think I, I get confused because they they've hyphenated their names together. I don't know. That's uh, that must be something in in there demographic but um bought a house in georgia and there's a, a a private hangar for a small plane with a studio above it and they share a runway with the community like what the fuck man are these communists are these you know these people are opportunists and they take very real tragedies man and monetize them and all the suckers are on Twitter. And I don't think all of them are suckers, but most of them are. But there's a few there that says, you know what? I got to get on this gravy train, man, because this woke shit pays. Curtis, it, it's 
again, I hope people are paying attention like who's really selling out because there's all these high paying jobs for the woke and for people that, again, boot-licking lapdogs. That's what they all look at. Literally pretending like and I don't want to but I, I just got to keep it real. And I'm not saying this from a position of bragging and trying to hype my street credibility. But it is comical to me to watch Colors, hell, Jamel Hill, any of these people, uh, all the ones sitting on TV, what's the, 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 the light-skinned pretty girl, Angela Rye, uh, all of them sitting on TV, faking this, oh, George Floyd, George. <laughs> and, and literally, none of them would have a cup of coffee with George Floyd. Exactly. If you were if, alive today. Exactly. Wouldn't exactly. allow him in their house. Wouldn't, not, would be scared to would death. Would lock their car doors if he walked by. Thank you. And, and so I'm not saying this because it's probably a flaw in me, but or it, it, but I don't think it's a flaw. It's just, I'm just telling you, I got, I've got and had friends similar to George Floyd. And I, I don't say that bragging, because again, to some degree, I didn't even know they were George Floyd or you know, had that in common. Mm. But uh, I've, I, I, again, my cousin who was killed by sheriffs in Indianapolis in 2012, quite similar to George Floyd, ex-con, parole, uh, six foot three, 240 pounds, on site looks intimidating. Uh, but it, it goes even beyond just family. Because uh, I, I, again, I, I told somebody this, this weekend or whatever, but, my favorite place on earth was my father's bar in the inner city of Indianapolis, the Masterpiece Lounge. And th that was my favorite place on earth. I I've always, people look at me like Uncle Jimmy that I was on my TV show, still on Speak for Yourself or whatever. He's just a working class dude with some baby mamas <laughs> and a high school education. Yeah. That's been my dog for 20 years. And again, I'm not comparing him to George Floyd. What I'm talking about is just like working class people. I'm Because I'm, what has driven people crazy about me is I'd rather go to the Masterpiece Lounge and, work, and hang out with some factory workers and some slick Negroes than to go to some LeBron James uh, celebrity party. Some, you know, it's a good, that, that's why I was just like comical when I was Roland Martin bragging about George Lopez. And I don't have a problem with George Lopez or, or any celebrity event or whatever, but it's just like, that's not where my joy and happiness comes from, hanging out with a bunch of groupie strangers that are part of some elite class. Ain't none of them more special. Ain't none of them smarter than the Negroes that hang out at the Masterpiece Lounge. 
and <laughs> and I know some slick criminals that are far smarter than and have far more integrity than a lot of these clowns. And they're not sitting around trying to figure out how can I profit and benefit off of George Floyd, Dante Wright, it, uh, uh, Eric Garner. These, guys, these people are making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars off the backs of these dead black men who they wouldn't spit on if they were on fire and alive. It is sickening to me. And yo, you, you know what's even more sickening? Not not all of these people, but there are cases where you know the fucking family members didn't even check for some of these people when they were alive. Thank you. But, but they're at the press conference with Ben Crump and everybody raking right. in the millions, man. Yo, this is all a fucking grift. I don't have. Yo, I'm not I'm not hating on them. Get your money, whatever, man. But you're not convincing me to get on board with that bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Let, how many of these families that got all those millions that people rioted for, that marched for, turned around and took any of that money and did something for the community? They probably off buying fucking houses like, like the leader of the BLM. Because everything is about me, and they're always saying we. We're, who's doing the who's doing the real work? You get nine million in a settlement. How much did you put into helping people like your deceased family member in organizations? They don't give nothing. They just want gimme, 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 gimme from the government. Let me see who I could sue. All that shit, man. I'm a I'm a business owner, man, and man. My business partner tells me all the time, look, man, anytime it snows, yo, he's out there early before people start moving around. He's shoveling the snow. Do you know why? He said, man, they're not going to get a ghetto payday on us. Like a lot of people, man, they look at every tragedy. We're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, somebody died. And it really is tragic. But it's pathetic, man. If they really honored those people, do they even set up scholarships to, to, to give money to people for education? Simple things that they could do to help the Black community that rallied for them, rioted for them, marched for them. They get this fucking money and they ride off into the sunset. And then everybody else is thinking about, God damn, man, I got to find a way to get me a, a, a ghetto payday. And that's the truth, man. And people ain't going to like it, but that's what it is, man. They don't even care. Sandra Bland's bail was $500. And nobody went to get her. Nobody. Her roommate, the guy she was living with, he said he was on his way. When he didn't come, he stopped answering the phone. Are you fucking kidding me? And these are the people that are standing around with attorneys when it's time for a settlement. The people that let you down when you're alive, they don't deserve shit when you're dead. That's my thoughts. So literally, let's say if Black Lives Matter was for real, wouldn't at some point, maybe somebody hop in the comments and correct me if I'm wrong. I would love to know the information. But at this point, it was started in 2013. They say they raked in $90, $100 million 
over the past year and a half or so, wouldn't at some point colors or the, her wife, somebody in the organization, in some city, there should be some business. It could be they took some of the money and bought a Starbucks and are employing George Floyd type characters and helping them transition, you know, j- jobs for guys that are coming out of prison or whatever. McDonald's franchise, anything just in the community, some sort of business that provides work and a life, a way of people taking care of themselves in these communities, in Minneapolis. It's like they built this shrine for George Floyd where he got killed. And it's now it's one of the most dangerous places in Minneapolis. The police won't go. And they got flowers and graffiti and graphics everywhere. Again, are we really this silly and we are lack substance that no one can say, hey man, to honor George Floyd, shouldn't we build some business here that could employ somebody and send somebody along on a better path? Or Literally, has everybody just bought into, no, we should take that money and sponsor more bitching and complaining and protest, and that's the only thing we can do, and then take the leftovers, because sponsoring protest and rioting and looting, that's only going to account for like 2% of the money. Take the other 98% and have these individuals sign deals with Warner Brothers and uh, development. I mean, yeah, this woman creates a hashtag and that makes Warner Brothers say, oh, she can develop TV shows and movies over a fucking hashtag? See, see, Jason, see, I'm going to tell you, I don't have proof, right? But here's the thing, Black Lives Matter, in 2016, they got $100 million from somebody. They've gotten, it may be close to a billion dollars by now, the little bit of money that this Patrice lady is spending, um, it's nothing. They are the black faces of a white LGBT advocacy group. And that's why they're able to get that money because they have their people in all of these corporations and Hollywood studios and magazine publishing companies who are given access to the black faces that's needed to present their organization as something that it is not. Those people would have never gotten that money. Form an all-Black organization and see how much goddamn money you're going to get. Are you kidding me? It's not just as simple as the corporations are giving these people money. There are certain people in those corporations who identify with the agenda, the real agenda of the Black Lives Matter movement who are directing the finances to that organization. And yes, Patrice, uh, she'll get her book deal. I think she had a book talking about I'm a terrorist, mm-hmm. something about a terrorist or something. You ain't a goddamn terrorist. You're just a shit talker, right? You're not terrorizing nothing. You're just talking. And then she has a deal with Warner Brothers. I don't know what that's all about. I don't even care. But And it may not be Warner Brothers. It may be Netflix. I'm just, I, 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 I heard Warner Brothers. Sometimes okay, I, I, I heard Warner Brothers, but yeah, it, there are people in all of these organizations who are in alignment with the agenda 
And the agenda is using the extrajudicial killings of black men to further their aims. So it's it's a lot of it's a lot of political sleight of hand, smoke and mirrors. They're talking about like they 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 for black people, but not only do they not reinvest the money in the black community, the the black uh the black faces, the, the bootlickers, first chance they get, they go buy a house in Topanga, California, where it's one percent black. They don't even like being around black people. Uh, uh, there's, there's an organization in, in Ferguson um, that was started by the, the, the father of Michael Brown and some other people. They can't get no money. The, they, nobody's going to give them shit, man. Because they're, they're, they are a black organization that's really talking about police brutality. You see, you go to the Black Lives Matter website, as I showed in my film, Black, White, and Blue, on Amazon right now, highly rated. Yo, there's queer affirming, uh, destruction of the nuclear family. None of this has anything to do with police violence or racism. And what you will see on their website is what Black Lives Matter is really about. And these things are not a part of the social norms of our community. These are things that are being imposed upon us by people who seek to utilize our numbers and exploit our gullibility in not being able to recognize what's happening and supporting shit that has nothing to do with what we think it does. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, throw you a little bit of a curveball. Go you ahead, brother. Think about Let's something. do it. You made me think about something I had thought about this weekend. So during COVID, which has been going on now for a year, we've all been at home more often. We've all watched Netflix and Amazon Prime a lot more often. And so one of the thoughts I had this weekend, because I I watched some movie called Defenseless, made in the 90s, Mm -hmm. I think. Movie was horrible, but I got into it and wanted to see the conclusion, what the blah, blah. But the movie was horrible. And it made me think of how many horrible movies I've watched over the past year. And even previously, because people used to laugh at me. I'll walk out of theaters. I'll walk out on movies. I fall asleep in them. (laughs) Go ahead. I definitely do that, but I'll leave. I'll just get up and leave. But, uh, but it made me think like, you know, most of these movies are shit. Even the ones that there's very few good movies. Mm-hmm. And it made me go, is Hollywood even really interested in good movies? And this go long before everything went woke. Or making money. The, yes. Are they really? Or I is don't it, think so. Look, or is it? Is it all just a scam for, uh, hey, I can make you a star? And again, we've seen the sexual perversion Mm -hmm. and the sexual harassment, the Me Too shit that's pervasive throughout Hollywood. And it's like, I'm sitting there like, damn, 
are the people at the top of the food chains from Harvey Weinstein and others, is this all a way of rewarding women and men who are willing to participate in the sexual exploitation and perversion off? And also, have they now turned it into a tool to reward people who participate in the political agenda. And again, because it's not really about making high quality movies. It's not really about making the most money. It's not about pleasing the audience. It's all just a scam. And it's a way to take content and be able to reward certain, because these people get incredible contracts. Again, this was a deal with Warner Brothers because you created a hashtag that you've, you've, you don't have some great vision for the world. You've shown no ability to create this type of content, but we can reward. And again, I look at all these deals, the, the Ava DuVarney and all these people, all, uh, Lena Waithe, they're all getting these mega deals. And the shit that I'm seeing them put out ain't very good at all. It, it, it It's not crushing at the box office, but it's a system of rewarding people for a political agenda and whatever kind of sexual perversion the people at the top want to participate in. All right, I'm going to give you my take on it. And this is why I became disenchanted with the entire entertainment field. Sometimes it may seem like I'm, I'm, I'm hostile towards entertainers per se, it's just it's it's not it. A lot of them are just they they they're unaware of what's going on. I saw a documentary a long time ago. It's an old documentary called Hollywoodism, right? And it, it explained how Hollywood came about when Jews who were in the Nickelodeon market in New York were actually run out. Nickelodeons when you put five cents in the little screen, you look in and you see the the, the, the characters moving, right? This was like, I guess, in the tw- early part of the 20th century. They were run out of New York by none other than Thomas Edison. He sent goons after them. So they went to Hollywood. I think it was like five different uh, groups or whatever, and they started these studios. But not long after, the U.S. government realized the influence of the the motion pictures and they started utilizing it for propaganda. Back then they would have intermissions and and so on and so forth. And the propaganda they were using it for was to, um, you know, invoke patriotism because there's World War I and, you know, Charlie Chaplin, then they'll stop and they'll have the writing on the screen. People who've seen these old films, they know what it looks like. And they'll get you ready for, for war rally the country, you know, when 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 uh, the Japanese bombed um, Pearl Harbor, pe- people were lining up to go fight, die, and kill, you know, because Hollywood entertainment has historically been a, a, a vehicle for shaping the thoughts of the people, right? So I started there, now I'm going to move forward. I believe, 
as time progresses, the narratives change and in the entertainment field and celebrities, the really smart people who run things in this country, in this world, they understand how pliable most people are, 85% of people, how easily influenced they are. I don't believe that Harvey Weinstein is in that group or people like him. I think they're like at a managerial level, but they're not the CEOs. I think Hollywood gets its dictates from somewhere high in the government. I'll tell you another story. CIA. Mm -hmm. You see? But that's the name that we know. It may be something else, you know, because CIA is the popular name. Who's to say? The CIA CIA might not be shit. Who knows? It might be a real agency that nobody hears about. CIA is just a name that takes the weight. See, when you start understanding what's going on, is that the people who really run shit, you don't ever really know who the fuck they are. So there's there's a guy named Doug Wick. And um, he was the head of Sony Pictures at one time. And he stepped down and he had Red Wagon Productions, right? So I did, a, uh, I did the documentary, The Jamaican Shower Posse for, for BET, American Gangster. And um, I learned a lot because I, I got to know the American head of the Shower Posse, Vivian Blake. And... It was, it was revealed to me that they, the intelligence community was very much involved with the Jamaican Shower Posse, which was uh, they connected to the political party, the JLP in Jamaica, labor rights. And they were allowed to sell drugs to, to, uh, to get weapons and influence elections in Jamaica to counter Castro in Cuba. But now back to Doug Wick. So I sent him the story. And what I got back from Doug Wick is, this is an interesting story. He said, if you got it made, you could get my $10 because at the time, that's what it cost to go to the movies. He said, however, the mandate in Hollywood at this time is not for these type of films. And that always stood out to me. I was like, mandate? Who the hell is giving the mandates? Like, you understand what I'm saying? And this is a guy who would have three or four films going on at one time, all at least $80 million budgets and up. And this was over a decade ago. And he also mentioned that my film, aside from it not being a mandate, he said that this was a $30 million film and his machine is set up for films of a much bigger uh, budget. So, but again, back to the mandate and back to Hollywood and why I don't think it's important for these films to make money and so on and so forth is because I think entertainment and Hollywood, just like media and, 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 and to a large extent, academia is about social engineering. Anything that can influence people cannot be left up to its own devices. And you have to be a very 
critical thinker to recognize that and, and be aware when someone is trying to steer you in a certain direction. And unfortunately, most people are not. They're just sheep, going whichever direction that you lead them in. Totally agree with you. I, I think your statements lead me to I don't, Hollywood is no longer controlled in my view by American interest or even an American governmental agency. Is America controlled by American interest? That No, no, I, I don't think so anymore. Oh, exactly. And, and so the globalists, the people that what, what are they call it Berkshire where they, where they meet Bird, Bilderberg or Bilderbergers yeah Bilderberg the people Stacey Abrams was there yeah <laughs> you look who, and again I wore we got the tinfoil hats on and <laughs> you know, but this is I'm just sorry this is what I believe because yeah. when I, I just look at movies and I go the stuff that's being pumped out today that is like it's really heavily anti-American and. I was like, this can't be about any American interest. It's got to be about a global. And, and I go back to, I've said this about Nike. I've said this about a lot of American-born companies that have now become global corporations. They're just basically shorting America. Uh, this is the so biggest so. short. They just, their interest, they're going long on China and short on America, they're shorting America. And I, I look at, again, I look at the stuff that's getting put out now and I, and when I go back and even look in the past, again, it's never about really turning a profit, these movies that are getting put out. It's about promoting an agenda. And I think for a while, when there was less global influence in America, I still believe like the mid-level players, the Harvey Weinsteins, you know, wealthy and powerful, but not at the really top of the food chain, <clears throat> used it as a tool uh, for, it, it was like their hustle for attractive women and, and attractive men, whoever they wanted to have said, well, we'll give you a job role in this movie, funnel you some celebrity and a bunch of cast, and because and this is this is going to sound somewhat crazy and, and it tells you how deeply I've thought of, I've thought about this. But I just started asking myself, why are there sex scenes in R-rated movies? Do they advance the plot line? Do you have to see somebody simulating sex? to know that the people are in love and like all the, a lot of movies have these extended sex scenes that soft porn as a viewer, are you that entertained? Cause I, cause I'm sitting there going to me, it's like, why do I need to see this? I can just watch porn again. And I have watched porn. So I'm, not gonna be, I'm just like, why are they putting this in a movie when I can go get this someplace else better? And, and it's like, well, whoever the director is, or whoever's putting this movie together, they want these women and men on tape, naked in these sex scenes for their own pleasure. Because again, the, the people that are actually filming it and taping it, they they got 
the stuff that it, the whole thing, Hollywood is a gimmick. It's been used in for propaganda purposes at one point to promote American patriotism. Now it's being used to point to propagandize anti-American sentiment. And then the mid-level people have exploited it for their sexual perversion. And the whole thing is a scam. That's yeah, you, you're touching you're touching on something, a point that I, I forgot to to address. The deviancy, the um degeneracy, yeah. debauchery, all of these things, you know, you when people are looking to exploit you and own you, they have to find your vice, you know. And 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 sex, it's so easy to entice people sexually. And, and that's, I think that's how a lot of these people who are willing to do anything, who have no moral compass, get tangled up in this web because they end up at different levels. First, it's, first it's orgies, then it's same sex, then it's pedophilia. And it's all being documented and people have this stuff over your head. And it's not just, it's not just Hollywood, man. It's, it's fucking, it's the intelligence community. They use so, I mean, this is, this is how the Chinese, everybody in the world in power, they bank on your, your weakness when it comes to carnal desires, whether it be heterosexual, homosexual, whatever. And that's and that's a way of getting control over you, and 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 of course they would promote that, and because those people in charge, a lot of them that's their weakness, man. It, it really is, and that's why they're such willing tools, and they 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 clean up and they come in front of the camera, and they say all the right things, and they might even do some good things. They might build a school or whatever the fuck and you think you'll think that hey this guy is all right i mean look man even the devil will tell you the truth sometimes the, the and I'm, I'm i'm really off on a tangent but i'm a big fan of the movie the godfather it, it's my favorite movie of all time i've probably watched it 50 times maybe more there's, you know, any day of the week, I'm capable of watching The Godfather. And so... Did you read the I book? Had, that's... I had never read the book. Read the book. No, no. Read it, like, oh. two years ago. Oh, man. Read it, too. And one of the biggest takeaways, like, what they left out of the movie that's in the book, the Johnny Fontaine character, the singer, the basically Frank Sinatra yes. impersonator in The Godfather... When he goes out to Hollywood and he wins the Academy Award and they have the post Academy Award party. And I didn't like when I'm reading this, I was like, damn, they in The Godfather. It's a great book. It's a portrait of reality. In my view, Johnny Fontaine was supposed to have sex with the female actress that won the Oscar, the best female actress or whatever, won it on that side. He was supposed to have sex with her in front of everybody at this post party. And, and he wouldn't do it. He left him and his, his buddy left or whatever. I ain't gonna do this degenerate shit, blah, blah, blah. 
And, and it was like, that was one of the deals that helped me understand like in the movie and the way it was, the Godfather actually had more moral integrity. The head of the criminal family had more moral integrity than the people in Hollywood and everybody else. Oh man, I could tell you some stuff, but I, I, I'm not even gonna go into it, but yes. <laughs> You're seeing it right, man. Because yeah. to me with, with, with real criminals, and I mean real criminals, not petty criminals. You know what you're getting, man. There's things they'll do, there's things they won't do. But a lot of people who aren't criminals, who get caught up in this lifestyle, there's nothing they won't do, man. And that, that's not good. That makes them worse than criminals. You, you, you understand? Yeah, but speaking about people who will do anything for money. Well, what's your take on this this Diddy letter? I, I got the impression you was impressed with his letter. No, I said it, ex okay. exceed, it exceeded my expectations. I had very low expectations for the letter and it exceeded. He probably didn't even letter. write it. Well, he certainly signed his name to it. And to me, yeah. it read like he wrote it, to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure he had help. But, you know, he, he it was just better than what I expect. I did not like the headline or the overall point. Again, the headline, if you love us, pay us. Well, like Tina Turner said, what does love have to do with it? This is business, donkey. But go ahead. I totally agree. That, that's one of my points. But also... This goes back to my overall point that I've been hammering for quite a while now. This whole expectation of love, this whole, America just doesn't promise you that. It promises you opportunity and freedom. That's it. And so running around, going, oh, if you love us, you should do X, Y, and Z for us. Well, other, tell that to your mama. Tell that to your to wife. Your kids. Yeah, but don't tell it to a businessman or the government or anybody else. Oh, they want white daddy to love them, man. Come on. Yeah. Man. You know <laughs> so, that's what it is. But I, I'll just, I think he made an interesting, if he'd leave the word love out of it and just say, hey, look, if you're making money with us, let us also benefit from it. Uh, at, at a higher percentage than we are right now. I, I have no problem with that argument. If, okay. you're make, if you're making money with us, we need, a, we need to proportionally benefit from that. And he, he seemed to make the argument that, what do you say, 1% of the money's being spent on us, but we're, we're responsible for 15% of the that not a bad argument. I don't know where he gets those numbers from. Yeah. Um, well, I did some research, right? Um, so Revolt was launched in 2013. And Comcast picked it up because of a US government mandate when Comcast bought NBC Universal. So based on that alone. Let's, let's say Comcast wants to make money, right? 
Why did it take a mandate for them to pick up Revolt? Let's talk about Revolt's programming. Revolt's programming is basically what MTV used to be in the late 80s, early 90s. Music videos, a couple of variety shows. I have it, but I don't really look at it. The only shows that's on Revolt that that's worth anything is The Breakfast Club. And, and I, I only look at that when someone calls me and say, you know what, you should see so-and-so on The Breakfast Club. You know, or, and I was on The Breakfast Club and Diddy didn't put my episode on Revolt. So you already know I don't fuck with Diddy, right? But 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 anyway, uh, so and obviously he doesn't fuck with me. But a, a, anyway, um, and I, I believe Drink Champs with Noriega, but the programming is so weak. And I'm I'm going somewhere with this, right? If you need a mandate to get on a network, somebody has to twist twist their arm for them to pick up your programming. Is it because? they don't want black programming or is it because you don't bring the audience that they're looking for? I mean, the numbers, not the, the demographic, because by the way, he co he co-signed Byron Allen in his suit against Comcast and Byron Allen doesn't have black programs. So why is everyone black or white not carrying black content? Is it because we're black or is it because the numbers doesn't justify the space allocated to it? And if people have to give you a slot because it's government mandated, don't you think advertisers know this? And why would they pay you to reach people you don't have? Those numbers that he's given out tell part of a story. If he can say, listen, man, my viewership, not how many households I'm in, because Comcast put me there. How many people in those households are watching your outdated network, bro? That, and if, if he was doing the numbers, and I don't know that he isn't, but I strongly suspect that he's not, then I could see him arguing about Yo, man, where's why don't you advertise with me? I, I get uh, 20 million viewers. Don't you want to reach those 20 million people? Guarantee you, he's not getting the numbers. You're I know he's not. Right. They never but, tell but, you that part. Shit. But, but again, and that also relates to even their most successful show, because you're right. The Breakfast Club is the only show that amounts to anything and generates any buzz, but it generates buzz, social media buzz. I guarantee you it doesn't do much as it relates to numbers and actual viewers. Uh, and so the, 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 and this is across the board. Oh, with, absolutely. You got to compete and they can't. And, but this goes across the board, across the, just connected to the conversation we've been having in terms of Diddy is aware of everything we've been talking about in terms of what, the numbers don't matter in Hollywood. Movies don't have to be successful. Well, you can just... Oh, they you, matter for us, bro. I don't know about anybody else. We better produce. That's all I know. Shit. What he's trying to benefit from is we're promoting the agenda. Oh. And so we want to be taken care of yeah. like everybody else that promotes the agenda. I'm a good bootlicker. Please, I, where's my butter biscuits? Get the fuck I, out of here. 
I promote the alphabet mafia. I, you know, he's right on message. Black Lives Matters and all that other stuff. I supported Joe Biden. Everything you, yeah. you want me to do, I do it. Yeah. And so it it this is the issue. And again, this goes back to and I'm not trying to talk shit on these people. I'm just trying to talk honestly. Yeah, fuck them. Take Jamel Hill and her show at ESPN. It was performing poorly with the ratings. And that's why they ended up dusting her and Michael. <clears throat> and what everybody has bought into, and it's a mistake, and I hate to even say this out loud because I, I don't, it's like, I, if people want to be idiots and non-competitive, <laughs> I'm gonna let them be idiots and non-competitive. But the myth that everybody has bought into, oh my gosh, if you just let black people go on TV and be militant and be angry and 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 speak truth to Trump supporters and blah, blah, blah. You're not going to draw viewers. The thing that has worked for black people on TV throughout history, and I hate, because it's my secret sauce. And it's, it's, but it's so clear, everybody knows it. From the Cosby Show, to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, to the Jefferson, to even Good Times. It's all a celebration of traditional conservative black values. It's all family work. Go back and look at all the black shows that were successful, the 80s, 90s, 2000s, it's all built around family and a celebration of traditional values. Black people love it. White people love it. Everybody can consume it. Everybody has bought into this social media bullshit, Twitter bullshit, Facebook bullshit. The, everybody's chasing Twitter followers and retweets and likes rather than actual viewers. And so you get on Twitter, the easiest way to attract followers and a big following. Jamel Hill got a million followers by saying, you know, she hates Trump and Trump's a racist and just low substance bullshit, just pandering to identity politics and calling white people racist. That will get you followers on Twitter. It will fail miserably on TV. TV is a thing that you are in, it's like you're inviting guests into your home and people have to like you and people have to respect your values. And this shit that we're doing on TV just doesn't connect. It, people don't want, black people don't even want angry people in their home. And a TV is a communal experience. You know, it, it, and so the shit that you do on your phone, that militant, low substance bullshit, Black Panthers bullshit, it works on your phone because that's an individual experience. You can attract a little niche people that, that think it says something good about them. Look how unapologetically Black I am. I listen to this bullshit oh, and alphabet mafia bullshit. I follow it on my phone and blah, blah, blah. This means I'm black. Shit fails miserably on TV. And that's why Diddy, somebody needs to send this tape to Diddy of uh, me and you in this conversation. If you actually 
uh, want to be successful with Revolt TV, get some of that bullshit off the air or surround that bullshit you got on there with some shit that feels a little bit more like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the Cosby Show, Good Time, just some uplifting shit. Look, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, you, you raised a good point, man. I didn't think of it like that, but he is expecting to be compensated for carrying water for the white yeah. liberal establishment. That's where his, his expectations come from because it's not coming from the product. Anybody can look at the product and be like, Shit, don't nobody owe you nothing for this shit, man. Like, real talk. You know what I mean? But so he's yeah, he, literally he looking at it. He's buying this liberal white bullshit yeah. that if I just act like them, they'll treat me like them. And that's and all the liberal the white people are letting him know. Nah, man. That, that, that's uh, all the bootlickers. They think if they dress like white liberals, party with them, lay up with them, do they drugs, indulge in their lifestyle, their devious, yeah. yeah. They think that, yo, what, what else do I have to do? Uh, you don't even want the answer to that. I mean, look at Lil Nas. You, you understand? But but, but anyway, uh, this this thing with Diddy, man, he he really, to me, I, I, I just think from his business standpoint, if he wants to get paid for carrying water, that's fine. What I don't like is when they start saying they're doing it for us. You're not doing anything for us, Diddy. You've never done anything for us. Talking about the black community that you like to speak for all the time. And I'm gonna so, tell you what he thinks he's doing, though, school. What's that? Honest to goodness, because this is what liberal elites believe of all colors. They believe in trickle down social it, it, justice. It's not it, trickling down. I know, but Diddy <laughs> and all these black elites feel like. Man, if y'all just treat me better, it's going to trickle down to them working class black people. And Their whole model is based on that. And it's all bullshit. Of course it is, because there was a girl, I don't remember her name. She has a blue, a blue check who came out and called Diddy out on Twitter for his tweet. And she said, you need to start at home. Because when I tried to work at Revolt, you wanted me to work for free. You talking about you need to get paid. What about the people working for you at Revolt? You know, and I, 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 Diddy has a very bad reputation with his people, man. I mean, they end up dead, destitute, or deranged. I mean, uh, last I saw Craig Mack before he died, he was in a church with some some hillbillies or something, uh, catching catching the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean, like. Uh, Black Rob is in the hospital. Uh, Loon is in prison. Uh, Biggie is dead, and and on and on and on and on. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be the change that you say you want, man. You can't, you can't pimp your own people to the point that they're left with nothing. And some say that's business, and okay, they were supposed to read the contract. They signed it, agreed. But that applies to you too, buddy. It applies to you with GM and you with Comcast and you with everything else. You're not going to play this victim card when all you do is got, all you did was get a taste of your own medicine. But again, man, these people don't, Diddy doesn't want to build a real business. He doesn't know how. 
Maybe he doesn't know how, but he doesn't want because he's never had to. Exactly. Because again, all of this shit is is none of it is sound business. These are all gifts. They're chosen. Influencers. Hey, Influencers. Influ shit. Yeah. And we're That's going to funnel you money through the in the music industry. We're going to funnel you money in uh, the media space, television. What are we going to funnel you money? Whether you're successful or not, and and so. Again, if Diddy was really committed to black people, he would turn revolt into a real business and do content that actually works so that it would generate enough money that he could pay people appropriately. But he's bought into the liberal bullshit of we're going to share and we're going to just grant people money, whether they're as long as you own message, we're all going to take care of each other. And it's all a bunch of bullshit. Look, man, Diddy is just is for Diddy. And guess what? It's okay. Just stop including the rest of us in your bullshit, man. Get your money, rape, rob, and pillage, do whatever. But when your turn come, man, just grin and bear it, man. And stop trying to cir circle the wagons and rally the troops, man. You've been doing it for yourself, by yourself. Continue on. Face the music by yourself. Uh, and, and you're absolutely correct. Lord knows how he got his deal from Clive Davis with Bad Boy and Arista. You know, uh, interesting story, man. These people are so unimpressive. I was at Jack the Rapper in, in, in the early 90s. I think it was 94 or 93 when he was launching Bad Boy. And uh, he was out there promoting it. I remember the little cards he had, had a baby like with a diaper or something, holding a gun or some, some shit. Bad Boy Records coming. And a dude from L.A., I, I won't say his name, um, he's in a, he was in a wheelchair. He rolled up on Diddy and he said, yo, Puff, they was calling him Puff back then. He said, let me let me talk to you. And, and Puff had a dude that was next to him and he was talking to a lady. And, and Puff told the gentleman in the wheelchair, um, hold on a minute, give me a second. And you know what that man did at that time? He spit on Puff, the guy, and possibly the woman, and rolled off, right? And, and yo, man, I, I brought that up to say, do not let these people fool you. Can I call that dude's name? I, I don't care. You, my, my, my thing is, you know, uh, is I don't... I think his name was... Yeah, look, man, and, 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 and... He runs all in California, yeah. <laughs> look, look. You know messing with him. Look, <laughs> look, man, he spit, he spit on that motherfucker. Look, man, and you know what? And the reason why I was, I didn't want to say his name because of what I'm about to say, but he may run California, man, but I would have just made up my mind that day that I don't need to go back to California for any reason whatsoever. <laughs> like, <laughs> if he running cool, that means I, I, it's off limits to me, but this can't end like this right here. You know, and I, I watched that. and It told me a lot about who he was because I come from a place that you you just, you don't do things like that, man. You, you can't do stuff like that. You know what I mean? You, you don't accept things like that because it sets a tone. And anybody who's willing to accept that, God knows what else they're willing to accept. And and also, as a side note, Suge was there. He he had, he was just coming coming around, and 
he had he had on some Timberland boots, believe it or not. And and Puff went to Suge to talk to the man in the wheelchair. And uh he was asking for help. Yeah, these guys are not who people think they are. They talk about their money because that's all they got. They have no character. They have no balls. They're not even that smart. And I, I, I'm not a hater for telling the truth, man. I'm nobody's fucking fan. I don't come out the house with a pleated skirt and pom-poms on for nobody. I don't give a damn. You respect me, I respect you. But, man, you're not going to carry me no kind of way, man, because I will reciprocate with interest, and that's just how it is. Yeah, I'll just say that I've said a lot today. I just want through Jim Brown and my relationship with Jim Brown and, and Rock Johnson and, and people through there, I've met a lot of interesting people and have befriended a lot of interesting people. And uh, that's why I just know all these little rap characters and all, the people shouting aloud or on wax or whatever. If I know who they really answer to. And I know, again, you know, I don't say it as, because I don't know it as intimately as you do, but I know what these guys have done and will do to protect their little Negro wrangling jobs that they have been appointed to. Um, and they'll do anything. And I said it either last week or the week before, Anything you think little Nas has done or will do, most of these other people you worshiping, same thing. Look, did you see that clip of Kid Cuddy on I Saturday did. Night Live wearing the I, dress, man? It, there's so many topics that, and and I've got to travel is is why we had to take this on Monday. And there's so many, and 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 the the thing that happened in Minneapolis. Because, man, we could sit here and talk about DMX and, you know, the way they're celebrating DMX. And DMX put out some really satanic mu mu music and knew it because he, he wrote songs about the deals with the devils he cut. But, yeah, I, I saw Kid Cudi, and that was one of the other topics, like, man, this is on Saturday Night Live. And, again, it just goes back to anything Little Nas. Any, I'm just telling you. That's the that's the price of entry into that profession. That, that's like that's the ante. You got to ante up, and some of them get the front like they they don't, but they do. You know, just a five years ago, Kid Cudi admitted himself into rehab for depression and suicidal urges, and then he goes on Saturday Night Live and wears a dress, he says, in honor of Kurt Cobain, who and actually Cobain committed like, suicide. <laughs> but Kurt Cobain is like, what do I got to do with you in a dress? <laughs> well, look, well, you know, they got to clean it up, man. And, and, and again, I, like you said, I, I know you got to go, but I, I just want all the black youth, young people out there to understand, man, it's not hate when you hear the truth, man. But so many of your heroes are nothing but zeros. And that's just how it goes, man. And, and, and I'll say this. To me, they're zeros because they won't 
top to who they are. And again, that's why I'm telling you, I salute little Nas X. He's all the way out the closet, and I appreciate it. I appreciate the integrity, the honesty of it, and I wish the rest of them would come on up out of the closet. Yeah, man, shit. Well, anyway, that, that's it for this week, man. I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, me and Whitlock going to keep doing what we do for as long as I guess Whitlock want to do it because he'll have to quit before me. All right, have a safe trip, brother. Thank you. All right. Share, subscribe, and like our YouTube channel to get alerts for new episodes. And stay tuned for SchoonTV.com. The media site is coming.